Welcome to Directions in Rashi, a podcast that will help you understand individual comments from Rashi throughout the Chumash, and that will also introduce you to some of the general principles which I feel uh, directed Rashi in his creation of his commentary, and that will help us to understand his commentary better all around. In this week's Shear, I'm going to discuss two rules that one must keep in mind when studying Rashi's commentary on the Torah. Number one, every word counts. The great Talmudic commentator Rabbi Menachem Hamiiri wrote that many people underestimate Rashi's greatness because, he writes, with one word he often includes answers to bundles of questions. Rule number two, is that the standard printed editions of Rashi's commentary contain numerous small inaccuracies. Although there is no text of Rashi that is absolutely authoritative, scholars generally prefer the first printed edition of Rashi from the Italian city of Reggio di Calabria in 1475. A convenient source for these alternative readings is the Chumash Torah Schayim, published by Moisad Harav Kook, and the Sefer Yosef Halel by Rabbi Menachem Mendel Brachveld, published in 1987. Based on these two simple but important principles, we must examine carefully every word that Rashi wrote, and we must consult alternate readings to attempt to determine which exact words he actually did write. Let us begin our application of these principles with a Pusik in this week's Parsha, Matois Masei. In Parshas Matais, we read the story of the Bnei God and the Bnei Ruven. As Bnei Yisrael approached the Jordan River from the east side, they conquered the lands of Sichain and Oig. And the Bnei God of Bnei Ruven, who had a great amount of cattle and sheep, they saw this land and they saw that it was very good land for pasturing their sheep and cattle. They went to Meshur Abenu and they said, you know what, we really don't want to go across the Jordan River to the west side, which is where the main part of Eretz Israel is. We would prefer to stay here on the east side with our cattle and sheep. This is, this is a good place for us to stay. Meshur Abenu became very upset with them. He said, by doing so, by not crossing over the river and helping the other Shvatim conquer the land of Canaan, you are discouraging them. He said, you are just as bad as the Meraglim, who discouraged the people from entering Eretz Yisrael years ago. And so the Bnei God and Bnei Ruven, they made a deal with Moshe Rabbeinu. They said, okay, we're going to leave our cattle and our sheep here on the eastern side of the Jordan River, together with our wives and children, and we will go across the, the Jordan River, together with all the other Shvatim. We will go in the front of the troops. We will be frontline combat soldiers, and we will help them conquer the land of Israel. When the job is done, we'll come back across to the east side of the, of the Jordan River, and we will live with our wives and our children and our cattle and sheep. And Moshe Rabbeinu agreed to this plan. And he told them, yes, this is what you have to do. And we're now looking at chapter Lamed Beis, Pasuk Chavdalet. Moshe Rabbeinu said to them, B'nu l'chem. 
Orim Latapchem, build for yourselves cities for your children, Ugderois Litsainachem, and enclosures for your flocks of sheep, and that which comes out of your mouth, you must do. You must keep your promise. Now this word, is somewhat unusual. The usual word for flocks for a flock of sheep is soin, sadi aleph nun. If you would add on the suffix meaning your plural, so you would add on a chaf and a mem, and you would get tsoin chem. This word is litsonaachem. It's sadi nun aleph plus the suffix chaf men, meaning yours. The Rashi comments on this, and he says that there is such a word, soine. He says, Teva zoimi gizras soine va'alafim kulam. There is a pasuk in Tilam that says, soine va'alafim kulam, that you, Hashem, have given dominion to mankind over the whole creation, including tsone va'alafim, including the flocks of sheep, and the alafim means the flocks of cattle. Now Rashi says this word, sone, is aimed by alef mafsik be nun litzadi. There is no alef that interrupts between the nun and the tzadi. Why Rashi goes backwards? Why doesn't he say that there's no alef between the tzadi and the nun? I don't know, but there's no Aleph there. It's not spelled Sadi Aleph Nun. Rather, it's Sali Sadi Dalit Sadi Nun Hey Soine the Alephim. Now in our Pasik it's So Achem, there's an Aleph there. So Rashi says Va Aleph Shaboa Khan Nun. The Aleph that comes here after the Nun, Bim Koim Hey Shel Sonehu. It is in place of the hey in the original word sone. I don't think that anywhere in Tanakh you find a word that ends in hey, and then attached to it is the suffix chaf mem, or chaf. That that hey turns into an aleph. So that's what Rashi is saying here. If one looks at Rashi's commentary on Tilim, one will see that there there is somewhat of a nuance in the meaning between son and sone. Sone perhaps means the enclosures for the sheep together with the sheep, or perhaps it means all the sheep as opposed to some of the sheep. That's not my main interest at the moment. Essentially, Sona Achem means your sheep, but it's based on a different word form, and Rashi explains it. Now, Rashi gives a source for his words, for his explanation. Rashi says, I learned this from the Yesoid, from the, literally from the foundation, from the book of Rabbi Moshe Hadarshan. Who was Rabbi Moshe Hadarshan? Rabbi Moshe Hadarshan lived in the 11th century in the French city of Narbonne, and Rashi quotes him 26 times in his commentary on Tanakh. For that bit of mathematics, I have to thank the author Menachem Zahari, who wrote a small uh, treatise on all of Rashi's quotations of Rabbi Moshe Darshan, and he gives that bit of information. Okay, very nice. So far, everything good. My question is, why does Rashi here 
refer to Rabbi Moshe as Rabbi Moshe Hadarshan. Now, in most places where Rashi quotes Rabbi Moshe Hadarshan, in fact, the material that Rashi quotes from him is midrashic in nature. For example, at the end of Parshas Shlach, where the Torah discusses the mitzvah of Sitsis, so Rashi quotes a long explanation from Rabbi Moshe Darshan, in which the whole mitzvah of Sitsis is explained symbolically, how it reminds us of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, and how it reminds us of all the mitzvahs, and why there are uh, strings on four sides, and each string is doubled over into two, and therefore there are eight, and what the number of knots symbolize, and why there's a blue string, and how that relates to the Makas Bechorais, and how it relates to the fact that the plague of the firstborn took place at night. It is a very Midrashic explanation, and most places that Rashi quotes Rabbi Moshe Darshan, it is very Midrashic. Apparently, his sefer called the Yisoyed of Rabbi Moshe Darshan, which we do not have a copy of. It has been lost, but apparently his sefer consisted of mostly Midrashim. It was a collection of Midrashim, or Midrashic explanations. The question here is, here Rashi quotes Rabbi Moshe of Narvon in an explanation of grammar, or of word origin. He's explaining what is this word, litzon na'achem? What is the root of this word? Is the root sadi aleph nun, which is the more common uh, word for a flock of sheep? So Rabbi Moshe Darshan says no. Rather, the root of this word is sadi nun hey, and the aleph was put in in place of the hey, and therefore it comes from a different root. Okay. So that's what Rabbi Moshe explains. This is not Drush. This is not Medrash. Why would Rashi refer to him here as Rabbi Moshe Hadarshan? Now one might say, and I don't think one would be totally wrong for saying so, one might say that Rashi refers to Rabbi Moshe Hadarshan because that's his title. He is best known for his drushas. So even when he's saying a pshat, even when he's saying a, a rather dry matter of grammar and word derivation, but he's still referred to as Rabbi Moshe Hadarshan. Imagine if uh, George Washington had written a book about how to grow cotton in Virginia, a subject with which he was very familiar. We would still probably refer to it as President Washington's book, even though it has nothing to do with his being president. So Lahavdil, Rabbi Moshe Darshan is best known for his collection of Midrashim. So he's called Rabbi Moshe Darshan, even when what he's discussing is not of the uh, Midrashic genre. However, if we take a look at the first edition of Rashi, that Regio de Calabria edition, we will see something very interesting. We will see that according to that first edition, Rashi does not refer here to Rabbi Moshe Adarshan. He refers only to Rabbi Moshe. And I think the reason, I think we can, we can posit that this is really the correct girso, this is really the, the more correct text, and the reason why Rashi does not use the word Hadarshan over here is because we are not dealing here with a matter of drush. And now another example. Let's examine the first Pusik in Parshas Masay. Chapter Lamed Gimel, Pusik Aleph. 
Eile Masei Bnei Yisrael, these are the travels of the Bnei Yisrael, Asher Yotzu Eretz Mitzrayim L'Tzivaisam, that they went out of the land of Mitzrayim in their masses, Biyad Moshe V'Yaharoin, in the hands of Moshe and Aaron, and the Psukim begin to tell us that they traveled from this place to that place and from that place to the next place, and so on. It tells us all of their travels. Now, Rashi gives two main explanations of why these travels had to be written down here. The first explanation is, says Rashi, Lahidia Chasadov Shalmokim. It is to inform us of the kindness of Hashem. Even though Hashem decreed upon us to move us around in the Midbar, we were, uh, we were punished with 38 years of wandering in the wilderness, but don't think don't say that they were moving around constantly from one journey to the next the entire 40 years. And that they had no rest. Because, says Rashi, really, you can only count over here 42 Masoyas. And Rashi says, 14 of them you have to subtract, because they took place in the first year, before it was decreed that they should wander in the Midbar. And another eight you have to subtract because after Aaron died at Horahar, already they were preparing to enter the land. There was no more wandering. So Nimsa, says Rashi, Shekol Shmeina Ushleishim Shana, the entire 38 years, Nasu Ela Eslim Masoyas. They only traveled 20 years. Journeys, and he says, "Ze miyisaidai should be Meisha Hadarshan." This comes from the Yisaid, from the Midrash collection of Rabbi Meisha Hadarshan. And now Rashi says a second explanation. Rabbi Tanchuma the Rashboy Drasha Acheres. Rabbi Tanchuma, the author of the famous Midrash Tanchuma, he expounds a different Russia here. This is a marshal, this is a parable, parable to a king whose son was ill. And the king brought his son to a faraway place to heal him. When they were returning from the doctor in that faraway land, the father began to count all of those journeys. And he said to his son, Kan Yishanenu, here we slept. Kan Hoikarnu, here we became very cold. Kan Hashashtes Roishecha, here you had pain in your head, etc. So the reason the Torah is listing all of these places is because each place is a hint to a different adventure in the travels of Bnei Yisrael. And in each place, different important events took place, and a different, uh, a different kindness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu was displayed. Those are Rashi's two explanations. Now, as we said, the first explanation is that the Torah wants to tell us 
that even though there was a decree that the Bnei Yisrael should wander about the Midbar for many years until all those who had sinned in the Meraglim and in the Egal Azov have passed away. But really, altogether, over 38 years, it was only 20 journeys. Really, not that much. And Rashi, as we said, quotes this explanation from Rabbi Moshe Hadarshan. Now, once again, let's take a look at the first printed edition of Rashi from Reggio de Calabria, and we'll notice again that there Rashi does not refer to Rabbi Moshe Darshan, but rather just to Rabbi Moshe. And I think here also the point is that in comparison to the second explanation of Rabbi Tanchuma, the first explanation of Rabbi Moshe is pshat. It is simpler and more direct. Because according to the explanation of Rabbi Tanchuma, we have to say that each place name that is mentioned in this parsha is really a hint to various events that took place. And we will have to go back through the Chumash and find out what took place in that particular what occurred in that particular place. And some of them, we may not exactly know what took, what happened in those places, but we may uh, perhaps expound it based on the name of the place. And some of it we may have to refer to traditions in the Torah Shabbal Peh as to what occurred in that place. It is a rather complex Midrashic approach to the Pasuk, whereas the approach of Rabbi Moshe is, I think, simpler. We're given a list of places over here. We don't have to investigate where they are. We don't have to investigate what happened in those places. All we need to do is count them up, do a little simple mathematics, and we will see that this list of places is telling us the chesed of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And that could be why the correct, the more correct text in Rashi is not that this explanation comes from Rabbi Moshe Hadarshan, but rather that it comes from Rabbi Moshe. Finally, let us examine a Pusik which is not in this week's Parsha at all, but rather in the book of Mishlei. Chapter 26, Pusik Yud. Rav Mecholel Kol. The Great One creates, or perhaps produces everything. V'secher ksil, and the one who hires a fool, v'secher oivrim, and the one who hires those who pass by. Now, this is clearly a somewhat cryptic statement. We definitely need Rashi to help us with this puzzle. I'm going to summarize a little bit at the beginning. At the end, we will examine every word very carefully. Rashi starts off by saying that Rav, the Great One, refers to the greatest of them all, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Mecholel Kol, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Mecholel, he creates everything. And then Rashi quotes a Midrash Agada, he identifies it as Midrash Agada. The Seicher Ksil, the word Seicher, does not mean he hires, and the word Ksil does not mean a fool, although it both of those words, usually, that's what they mean. But Rashi says the word seicher is like the word we find in Parshas Noyach, uh, that after the Mabul, the, the wellsprings of the depths 
Vayisachru, they were closed, they were plugged up. So Vesecher, Ksil, Hashem closes off Ksil. And what is Ksil? Ksil is one of the Mazolais. It is one of the constellations. And Rashi says that is the constellation that is Mishamesh Bimeisachama. It serves, it, it is dominant during the hot time of the summer. And Rashi says Hashem closes it off starting in the month of Tishrei in the autumn. And may us who say Cherveseger call Ivre Hayam Milelech Boy. And from them Hashem closes off all of those who would normally want to go across the ocean. He closes them off from going until Pesach. It's too cold, too windy. And therefore, so Hashem closes off the Ksil. He closes off that constellation. He moves it away from its position of dominance and its position of influence over the climate. And thereby, Hashem is Socher Oivrim. He closes off those who wish to, wish to pass over the sea. That Rashi quotes from a Midrash Agoda. And now Rashi says, Rabbi Moshe, in the words of Rabbi Moshe, not Hadarshan, Rabbi Moshe, Ruisi, I saw as follows. Rav Mecholel Kol. The Great One produces everything, says Rashi Oshir. It is referring to a rich person. That's the one who's called here great. The wealthy person, Yeshle Pu'ulais Harbe. He has many activities, many much property and many activities, many businesses. He builds a lot. If he hires a fool to do his work, so it's like he's hiring every passerby. These passersby, they see the faults in the work. They see certain problems in the way the work is being done. And they give directions how to improve the work, the Eich and how the worker should act, how the worker should do the work. These are what are called sidewalk supervisors. They stand in front of a construction site. They know absolutely nothing about construction. They have no experience and no knowledge. And they stand there and tell the experienced construction workers what to do. Now, Rashi concludes with the following words, which we will discuss. The Dover Reiku, this is an empty thing. The Eno Inyan Khan. And it is not relevant to here. Now, first of all, let's talk about the author of this comment, Rebbe Moshe. And we see that Rashi does not call him here Rebbe Moshe Hadarshon. This seems to be according to all texts. As far as I can tell, uh, there is no uh, Regio edition of Rashi's commentary on Mishlei. All of the uh, printed editions of Mishlei that I could find, they are the same. They state, B'divrei Rabbi Moshe, not Hadarshan. Now, why doesn't Rashi call Rabbi Moshe the Darshan over here? So I think it's quite simple. Rashi just finished before here telling us what he called a Midrash Agada that the Rav refers to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the word Seicher means Hashem closes off. And the word Ksil is referring not to a fool, 
but to a constellation, even though, if we will look at this whole chapter in Mishlei, it is constantly referring to Ksil, and it is obvious from all the psukim that it's referring to Ksil in contrast to Chacham. It's referring to a fool, not to a constellation. But the Midrash Agada explains this Pasuk in that way. And now... Rashi is coming to tell us the words of Rabbi Moshe. And what is Rabbi Moshe saying about the Pasuk? He is saying a pshat. He is saying what we would consider to be the simple meaning of the Pasuk. Rav means a great man. And Soicher is its usual meaning. It means hiring. And Xil has its usual meaning. And the meaning which is repeated many times in this chapter, it means a fool. So this is Shot, and therefore Rashi does not refer to Rabbi Moshe as Hadarshan, but simply as Rabbi Moshe. I said we would talk about the last few words in Rashi. Let's take a look. Rashi says, the one who hires a fool to oversee his work, so it's like listening to the advice of the sidewalk supervisors. And Rashi concludes, the reiku, this is an empty thing, the eno inyan kan, and it is not a matter, it is not relevant to here. Now, there is a safer, a commentary known as Svas Emes, not from the Gera Rebbe, but the Svas Emes is a commentary on Rashi's commentary to Mishlei, written by one Rabbi Yitzhak Isaac of Zlochev, published in 1861. It is included in a safer called Mare Rachel, which in, is a collection of super commentaries on Rashi, on Mishlei, written by a man who I am, I've never met, but he has been very helpful to me in various matters of interpreting Rashi, Harav Yisrael Iser Tzvi Herzog. So this Svas Emes, printed over here, explains that the last few words of Rashi, Vedava Reiku, is Rashi's criticism of the explanation of Rav Moshe Darshan. He says that regarding this comment of Rav Moshe Darshan, Rashi writes, Dava Reik. It's an empty thing. It's not a good explanation. Because it's Eino Inyan Lakan. This explanation is not relevant here. Because here, the whole Sefer Mishlei, and certainly this section of Sefer Mishlei, is Divrei Musar. And this is not Musar, the way Rabbi Moshe explains this Pasuk. I would like to suggest that perhaps a different explanation of Rashi's last words here. Perhaps Rashi is saying that when somebody hires these sidewalk supervisors and the sidewalk supervisor sees some little problem in the way the work is being done and he gives directions how to fix it, but Rashi now comments on the words of the sidewalk supervisor. This advice from the sidewalk supervisor is an empty thing. The Eno Inyan Khan, and it has no relevance over here to the actual building because the sidewalk supervisor doesn't know what he's talking about. In either case, Rabbi Moshe was attempting to explain the Pshat in the Pasuk. The type of comment he's making is a Pshat comment. Whether Rashi agrees with it or not is debatable, I think. In any case, we can understand why Rashi here refers to him as Rabbi Moshe and not as Rabbi Moshe Hadarshan. Rashi is very particular in his choice of words. He would not add on that word Hadarshan except in a place where Rabbi Moshe, in fact, was engaging in drush. 
Thank you for listening to Directions in Rashi with Yochanan Joseph, author of the book Directions in Rashi, available from Feldheim Publications. Production aspects were carried out by Minagain Music. Visit them online by going to facebook.com slash Minagain Be More.